this program contains mature subject matter. Including maladjusted youth, masochistic hillbillies, and the excitement of the price is right. It may be deemed inappropriate for our younger viewers. Viewer discretion advised. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. <laughs> I'll give you a choice. I could put on these glasses or start eating that trash can. You maniacs! What is a man? When we are successful, we will be. We had a real chance with this. Guys, order another round because we're staying here. What was I thinking going back to Ant Island? I mean, we just got here, and we have more than enough food to get us through the winter, right? Why go back? But there was that ant that stood up to me. Yeah, but we can forget about him. Yeah, it was just one ant. Ooh, one ant. Yeah, you're right. It's just one ant. Yeah, boss. They're puny. Hmm, puny? Say, let's pretend this brain is a puny little ant. Did that hurt? <laughs> nope. Well, how about this one? Are you kidding? <laughs> how about this? You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Right. One by one, the ants went marching to get out of the rain. It's episode 52 for, uh, what is that, July 5th, 2021, and this is Behind the Schemes. I'm Boo Berry, Mothman of the Miniocalypse. Mm-hmm. And celebrating the red, white, and blue here on episode 52 on the 5th of July, it is Lavish. That is my name. Hell yeah. Happy 5th. Happy 5th, happy 4th, happy Independence Day to America, and also happy Canada Day to the Canadians out there, which was a couple days ago. Or like we so. like to say in my family, happy Treason Day, you ungrateful colonist. <laughs> happy Treason Day, you rebel scum. Rebel scum indeed. And may you be rebel scum till the day that you die. Did you have a good weekend? Good fun? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big, big fun. Lots of stuff going on uh, had a barbecue Friday, uh, had a 
smaller barbecue on Saturday and then had a larger barbecue on Sunday. Oh, uh, shit. Had the band over. I sent you a pic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so got to jam with the boys. And uh, had, a, had a good amount of people, about eight people over, and just uh, had a really great time. How about yourself? It was good. Uh, went down to uh, one of the lakes about two hours away and hung out there for a little bit. Um, I did a lot of work. You and I got up together on Saturday and did some production planning uh, sort of mojo. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I got back, I got the Misinformed episode number seven uh, ready to post and took care of that this morning. So it was mostly <laughs> sitting here at the computer. Uh, I didn't actually see any fireworks this year. <laughs> but you heard them, though, huh? Yeah, off in the distance. Yep. You can't avoid them. Last night around my house, was a war zone. Even if you didn't see them, you could hear them. They were all around. Oh, uh, yeah. When we were living uh, closer to Minneapolis last year, it was I mean, they had the big uh, Wisconsin airburst borders that uh, uh, you had to cross the border to to buy them because they don't sell them here. Mm-hmm. That, that, that was very much war zone territory. And just every intersection, there was these massive uh, pileups of fireworks. People were. Mm. So is that, where, is that where we, you go to get the good stuff? You got to go to Wisconsin? Yeah, across the border. Uh, I'll keep that in mind. Excellent. And the lake was beautiful. It was nice. It was hot, uh, sunny, and breezy. Air conditioning on my car cut out about halfway down there, so I spent the drive back shirtless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Classic. The good old-fashioned way. I actually saw an airlift, a uh, uh, helicopter evac on the road, and it was blocking the path home. Oh, wow. It, it looked pretty severe. Uh, Severious. Severious. Yeah. <laughs> Show title. <laughs> Sounds pretty Severious. But uh, uh, yeah, they had a helicopter right there on the on the fucking uh, on the highway. It was nuts. Was man. there a crash? And they were pulling someone out. Uh, the the we couldn't get that close because it was just the the two way uh, two way road. Mm-hmm. So we ended up having to turn back, and we couldn't get that close. So you had the big cop SUVs blocking the road and everything. Mm, uh, I gotta get saw, one of those. Definitely saw an ambulance, uh, mm. but I am unsure. On who was involved, how bad it was. Yeah. Hope everybody took care of themselves, you know. Driving around on 4th of July can sometimes be uh, uh, troublesome. So, hope everybody made it home all right. And uh, is hydrating today. Uh, if you can get some, some water in your system, you probably thank yourself. Of course, probably not everybody... Went as nuts as I did, but <laughs> but but maybe some people went even more nuts. You know, it's just the time of year to do it. I think I'm gonna just like not do anything for the next week. I'm not gonna drink. I'm gonna cut back on the smoking. It's just it's just that time. You just got to do it. Got to give the body a little reset. Yep, everything in moderation. You go nuts. Even everything in moderation, including moderation. Well, I did crack up in the can of Everclear soaked fruits on uh, Friday night, mm-hmm. um, so that uh, that was kind of my little party night, mm-hmm. drinking Everclear and eating fruit, eating peaches specifically. Mm. That's a very wholesome uh, way of uh, partying. There, uh, another wholesome way of partying 
is by looking at this tarot card that we have for tonight. Ooh, what do we got tonight? I thought it was a pretty cool card. It's the uh, Ace of Swords from the tarot. Oh, another ace. Yeah, tarot de Marcel, as per usual. This card shows great brain potential and intellectual ability. They must be talking about somebody else. Somewhat similar to the Ten of Wands, <laughs> Ten de Baton Tarot, after, after the end of an instinctive and creative cycle, it is time for wisdom to act. This card can mean victory by cleverness, intelligence, determination, profundity, prof- profundity, P-R-O-F- profundity, profundity, I think they misspelled it, uh, or the mm, beginning of profundity. a... Pe- Uh, sorry. Uh, Beginning of a potential situation on two sides like a sword. Uh, It may also refer to the ability to take a position or make a decision. It implies the use of great power or sometimes even too much power to uh, advance goals. But the way in which these powers will be used and the nature of your goals are still unclear. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, sometimes personal power can act against you. Uh, the Ace of Swords being, you know, you are you are forging your destiny with your with sheer will, and um, there's a penis joke in there somewhere, <laughs> and uh, you know, it, it doesn't have to be a good thing, it doesn't have to be a bad thing, but when you you know start plowing through life's problems, sometimes you can create more problems for yourself. Um, but then again, a lot of that is oftentimes out of your own power. But yeah, the the Ace of Swords kind of, um, I don't know. It's very, it's obviously very phallic, and it's very just like moving forward, thrusting forward with life. You know, like going for it. You know what I mean? And it can uh, conquer and defend, being a sword. So it's mm-hmm. got uh, sort of that duality there to it. Mm-hmm. And just given the conversations that. Uh, had been floating around on the airways and the conversation that you and I had on, on Saturday, uh, it, it is episode 52. We made it a year. I think our anniversary was on uh, June 28th, maybe. Um, the whole timing and the episodes, it was all sort of weird starting out. We recorded. Minneapolis started burning down. I left for two weeks and then came back. So technically the show started in May, but nobody was listening until end of June. But uh, we got some, we got some cool stuff we want to try out for this next year, I think. And uh, mm-hmm. well, I don't think I know. I know we're going to try out a lot of cool stuff, uh, and and see what sticks, what's enjoyable, what keeps people here, what keeps people engaged. Um, yeah, and just having a good time ourselves, big part of it. Seeing what we want to do, how, how much, uh, how much fun we want to have. <laughs> And uh, we don't have any Freaks of Hazards, our executive producers or, uh, producers for the show tonight. But I do want to give a quick shout out to... What's up, nerds? Midas, because he is definitely uh, an MVP for what we want to attempt this next year. But also just, uh, uh, just getting us up and going. Um, mm-hmm. No, he's awesome. He he should he's our honorary uh, freak of hazard this week, I think, because uh, he's just been helping us out a lot, helping me out, helping boobs out, and he's just fucking the nicest guy in the world and very very smart guy. Knows what he's doing, uh, and uh, I, I love Fun Fact Friday. 
That's a great show. <laughs> I, lo- I love Fun Fact Friday. I love when they had it. They had it on following um, last uh, yesterday's. Was it yesterday? What's, what's today now? God, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I confused. believe it was yesterday. Yesterday's show. They, they did Fun Fact Friday following up No Agenda. They got the post show uh, slot and they did a. Their, uh, it was on tornadoes. And it's just like, God. You know, if you're having a bad day, listen to that show, and it'll just it'll just brighten up. It's it's I love it, and they even uh, JCD even gave a personal shout out to it. He just he he said he discovered it as a matter of fact, which I didn't realize he wanted that claim. I, I didn't know he had that claim that he discovered uh, Metis. <laughs> and if anybody else wants to discover Metis, uh, check out FunFactFriday.com or Metis.live. Uh, that will direct you to many of his productions because uh, it's Meet Us, uh, Meet Us Pod, Fun Fact Friday, and I think Meet Us Live is the interview show that he's doing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, yeah check, lots check of out. projects. Another yeah. value for value show. Uh, so, please support them in any capacity. I know that they'll appreciate it and they do good work. Mm-hmm. Meet us media, M-E-D-U-S-M-E-D-I-A.com. Meet us media.com. Oh, speaking of websites. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we we, uh, we got a few more domains uh, under our belt now. Uh, remind me again what they were. It's, it's XYZ um, and IO. If you go to them right now, they won't direct you to the uh, the original website, but the two new d- domains are behindtheschemes.xyz and then behindtheschemesch3m3s.xyz. So we got both spellings for that mm. domain. and uh, Yeah. Baby steps. Baby steps, people. One by one. One day we'll have YouTube.com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or or uh, even better, well, the second best would be YouTube. Oh, like yeah. for all the people that, that uh, misspell YouTube and they put YouTube. Think about how much. That guy must be rolling it. Made a million dollars. I'm going to buy the domain pronhub.com. <laughs> pronhub. Pronhub. I like uh, Cornhub. Uh, C is in Charlie. Cornhub. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, if you if you want to help support the show, you can go to our website behindtheschemes.com, dot sch three m three s. Got a donate button. You can contact us, send us clips, jingles, artwork, whole nine yard stories. We'll take it all. Um, and uh, if you want to donate, just know that that money is going to go to buying the domain behindtheschemes.sex. So. <laughs> <laughs> and you can feel proud of your investment. <laughs> Your community thanks you, citizen. Yeah, we are value for value. Well, we are in nobody's uh, pocket. We don't have any ads. Uh, because if we did, we wouldn't be able to talk about all the fun stuff that we talk about and that we want to talk about. They'd shut us down. They'd put a black bag over us and send us to Siberia. So uh, we can't do that. Uh, we got to do it this way. And if you want this kind of radio to keep going, well, then, uh, you know, clips voicemails, hang out with us in the chat, uh, or any uh, financial support, no matter how small it is. It all goes to a great cause. Here on the No Agenda Universe, or the N-Asian, as you guys call it, on Misinformed. 
That's true. And uh, we'll get a misinformed website with a proper domain going. It's There's a lot of shit in the fire, a lot of irons. And right now it's about getting enough bellows going to, to bring that fire back to a roar. Because uh, the irons are starting to cool off. There's too many. So we'll see... Uh, See what we can attack first. We'll forge the shit out of this sword, man. We'll do it. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Fortune fire. That's right. We're going to have a a kill test, and then we're going to have a strength test, and then we're going to have a sharpness test. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna play my my sharpest, most favorite comedian. Sign us out of this segment. Do a commercial. You're off the artistic roll call. Every word you say is suspect. You're a corporate whore. And uh, end of story. Another way you can support the show, call 612-263-7999 and uh, leave a screen mail. Yes. That's 612-263-SXXY. Sexy. So sexy. Ah, what a beautiful, beautiful phone number. <laughs> Uh, do we want to play one that was left over the weekend? Oh, absolutely. And I got a new setup. I got the voicemails in a new channel, which is all very exciting. Oh, how exciting. Ten out of ten is a freak. Wow, that was good. I loved it. It was it was um, it was like spooky. It was like ethereal to, on top of being a scream. I didn't know if they were like in our plane of existence or just on the cusp, flickering yeah, in and out. They're like uh, kind of one foot in, one foot out. Yes, they haven't quite like solidified down into a proper physical form. Yeah, they're riding the rainbow. A lot of transition going on. They're transitioning, yes. They're they're in between transitioning, yes. Yeah, I just I'm third dimension, but I feel in my heart that I'm fourth dimension. Uh sorry, was that ignorant of me? That was probably ignorant of me. Forgive me. Forgive me, fourth dimensioners. You're, I didn't mean to be ignorant. You're fine. We'll let uh, Sir Spencer wash you away of your of your sin and shame. Please. Told you who was behind the schemes, but you'll never know who's behind the screens. Call our creep phone now and leave a screen mail. We'll play it on the show. 612263 612263SXXY. That's 612263799. Hell yeah. Mm, the funk. The funk dimension. <laughs> Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Uh, my last order of business. If you want to check out our subs, uh, our show notes, Zoso's Corner, Z O S O S Corner dot Substack dot com. Uh, you can subscribe there. Every time we go live, I'll post them, and uh, they'll show up in your inbox. And they're pretty cool. Today's show art is a GIF. <laughs> yes, we are evolving in our uh, visual schemes. We're learning. We are a learning computer. And, today, uh, yeah. Today, I learned that uh, 
our plans of potentially embracing our Instagram in a big way might be for not. Uh, it sounds like Instagram is going to go the route of TikTok and only do video reels. No more posting stagnant, stale photos. No more. Really? You can't just post a photo on Instagram? I think it's all going to be video-based. I haven't had a chance to circle back on it, uh, but I'm also not surprised. It's so weird how these all these different social media companies ultimately just morph into the same thing. They're, they all turn into, like, fucking Snapchat. They all, they all basically, like, devolve into Snapchat. And Snapchat uh, always sucked anyway, so... Snapchat's <laughs> awful. It's, it's, a, it's terrible. Ah, uh, uh, I can't. What is this? Such beautiful oh, DMT. Oh God! Oh God! I'm 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 tripping. I'm looking at an image that Servo posted in the chat. I'm tripping out. I will say uh, you kind of sound like you're tripping out. You got uh your connections went a little roboty. Oh oh, that's because I was feeling it, man. Oh oh my! My electromagneticism was uh. Pulsing. Was your was your body suddenly like a dimmer? Yeah, I, yeah, it was a cheap Chinese manufactured dimmer, and uh, whenever you touch me, I create a really cool buzzing noise. Every light in this room is an LED, unfortunately, but I will say I've never caught any like background static hiss. Um, maybe I could turn the noise gate off and see what would happen, but. I'm not going to do that on the show. Well, you got to do what I do and do the show under candlelight. I have an oil lamp in the next room over. I can go grab that. Well, I don't want I, you know, don't burn the place down. I'm kidding. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I just do it in pitch black dark. Uh, uh, oh, terrible. Anyway, uh, today we have a really, 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 really cool topic. I think that we're going to brush on. Uh, we're not going to go too deep into it because there's a lot that can be said on the topic, but uh, I think uh, it's always an, it's never a bad time to talk about, uh, which is a really fun little place that you may have heard of uh, called Atlantis, a place that we call now Atlantis, uh, a storied ancient city of great wealth and great power and great technology and beauty. Uh, it was allegedly a, a large island. Uh, somewhere at the Atlantic, and this is according to Plato. Um, and uh, we're just going to kind of explore the topic a little bit. We're going to touch on it because the idea of, of Atlantis is is fascinating to me. It, it, oftentimes it's used as a metaphor really for humanity in general. It, it's meant to be a sort of testament to the hubris of man, the capability that man has to, or humankind, I should say, has to to try and be greater than nature, greater than the gods, and then gets torn down. Uh, the Tower of Babel is kind of a similar story. And there's also a little flood myth in there, you know, that that's part of it too. And then, of course, flood myths are probably the most ubiquitous uh, type of myth you can find in antiquity. No matter what culture, wherever you go, anywhere in the world, they'll have uh, flood myths or a diluge, uh, you know, the diluge myth. And, yeah, so we're just going to, you know, just touch on it a little bit, see what's up. A lot of smart guys have talked about Atlantis in the past. 
I will and, say uh, this is uh, I had forgotten how <clears throat> how many people considered Atlantis to be pseudo historical in, mm-hmm. in the same realm as uh, like pseudoscience and the whatnot. And it was interesting. I um I guess I had kind of forgotten like uh, how much pushback people could and have and do express on it on its existence. Mm-hmm. But I feel like. We've witnessed so much crazy shit over the years, and the uh, just like this whole on again, off again, soft UFO disclosure. Mm-hmm. It's it's not that it's fallen out of favor, but people seem to be like you're not going to be shouted out of the room and and uh, get hey you might have been exposed to extremist content on Facebook for sharing Atlantis memes, you know? Right. It's a very harmless sort of thing to talk about. It. It's I mean, there's really no way to to prove that it exists unless you just find certain, you know, relics or old structures and you go, well, maybe that was Atlantis. You know, there's nothing really that we have. Uh, there's, it, could, it could have been in many locations, but, yeah, it's, it's harmless. It's a harmless, it's like talking about Bigfoot, <laughs> you know. It's fun. It's cushy conspiracy stuff. But at the same time, the, the idea of Atlantis, which has brought you know forward by plato the the grandfather of western philosophy as we know it and it was probably relayed to him by the the ancient schools in egypt which is where greece got a lot of their knowledge from and that in and of itself comes from another place and we always talk about how you know there's a sort of a an ancient culture that was ubiquitous with like the pyramid building culture for example you can find pyramids a very similar structure in south america in uh, North America, in Europe, and and in Egypt, and Africa, and all over the place. In Antarctica. <laughs> in Antarctica. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Antarctica is another place that they've claimed could be where Atlantis was. Um, but I don't know about that. The The general gist I get is that it was it's in the Atlantic Ocean, which is what, what I guess gives the Atlantic Ocean its name according to anything I can find about it. Um, but Atlantis itself, and we'll hear this from some of the clips that we've pulled, Atlantis really isn't a, a Greek word or an Egyptian word. It's really uh, the most reminiscent of, of a, like a Mayan word or a, a su- Southern American or Mexican culture word, atoll, like all the great, you know, uh, cities of of the Mayan culture, they all have that. They all sound that certain way. Like I can't pronounce it now because I'll I'll butcher it. But Tenochtitlan or something, I think, is the name of the main city, which is now Mexico City. Hmm. So it's, it's it has that certain phonetic structure um, that you don't you don't really see that so as much in those other languages. So there's a certain mystery even to the to the naming of, of it at all. You know. Yeah, I was kind of curious on the uh, etymology of, of the word Atlantis, and it was on my list of many things to check out today. I, I didn't get to, but uh, I'm glad you brought that up. It's uh, fairly interesting. Uh, Manly P, I got some Manly P Hall clips, and he'll he'll bring that up at one point for sure. But, yeah, I love it. Uh, the, my general gist, though, on Atlantis, and this is, this is kind of just something to keep in mind, a fun hypothesis, is that America or the Americas, are Atlantis. 
And the ancient cultures of Europe, you know, over the course of thousands of years, tens of thousands of years, with ice caps melting and, and freezing and sea levels rising and, and plates moving and land shifts, massive land shifts, you could almost think that if you think from the perspective that humanity developed in Africa and then migrated its way over to the Americas, you know, through the Bering Strait, which is the most textbook typical way you hear uh, the Americas getting populated originally around 15,000 years ago. And Europe had about, you know, at least 10, 15, 20,000 years of really sophisticated civilizations head start, you know, on, on what we know about it, right? Europe had a big head start on the Americas. But they traveled over the strait, and then the sea levels came up, and the strait was gone, and the, and the earth changed. And these peoples didn't, you know, they lost their technology, and they weren't able to access the Americas anymore. And so the Americas became this myth, mythological story of, you know, this, this fantastical place across the sea that was swallowed by the ocean and gone forever. Oh... Right, because if you were standing on the other side, because you're talking, uh, uh, I'm gonna butcher it, butcher it, Beringer Strait, the, the Bering Strait, the Bering, the Beringer Strait, the this, Bering Strait. This is the one Bering between uh, Russia and Alaska, right? Correct. Yeah, I guess if you're standing Bering Strait, Bering Strait. If you're standing in Russia and you see all the water come up, I guess it would look like the uh, the oceans had swallowed the land. Hmm. Or the whole continent, I should say. And to, to call it an island is, is almost disingenuous because Plato described it as an island that was as large as Africa and Europe. And, and in, Greek, in Grecan times, you, can, you don't have to include all of Africa and all of Europe in the way that we think of it today. Back then, the whole world really was just, you know, a hundred mile uh, radius encompassing the Mediterranean Sea. You know, <laughs> the Mediterranean Sea and everything within a hundred miles of that sea was the world. And uh, and he said that it was as big as that, bigger even. I am, uh, and he he had the concentric rings and and uh, just as far as the, the the way the city was set up, right? Like he he sort of developed that not not developed. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, he 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 was the first guy, so it really all comes from him. Uh, but I don't know about the eye itself or the rings. Uh, did he specifically? Say that? That's what I'm wondering. Hmm. Well, you asserted that the Egyptians described Atlantis as an island consisting mostly of mountains and a great plain and oblong shape. Um, so maybe that could be the eye. And it broke off around a central island with five states in diameter. Yeah, it just sounds like a big island s surrounded by smaller islands. <laughs> they want to highlighters in my book, but I guess I could have laid down sticky notes or something to, <laughs> cause I, I went through the, uh, the time life mysteries of the universe, uh, selection on Atlantis. And, uh, it's interesting to, to read debunking materials from 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. Kind of got same of the same, uh, similar vibes of what you'd see today. Talking about, uh, anti-science rhetoric. <laughs> Uh-huh. Well, do we have any uh, clips we could play, maybe? Yeah, let's, uh, this is the Morning on Island 1. The problem of Atlantis. I think there are a number of points 
that have not been generally considered. We think of Atlantis as an island, probably somewhere in the Atlantic, and probably about in the location of the present Azores Islands. But actually, Atlantis was a diffusion. If you buy a map now of the world as it is today, we can say that that is the modern uh, distribution. But to have a map of Atlantis as it was in the time of its glory, you would have to have a map of the entire planet because it was a distribution. Continents rose and fell, islands came up and went down, great land shifts occurred, and the Atlantic distribution of land was far more important and far more far-reaching than the mere problem of an island somewhere in the ocean. And forgive me for that sound quality. It's an old, rusty recording. But, yeah, what do you think about that? As it being, it's more than just an island. It was a, it was a global culture. It makes sense. I mean, for how many of the same parallels you see again and again, different cultures, different parts of the world. It's, uh, and like, I, I, I give a lot of credence to the Tower of Babel story. Uh, everybody came together and they tried to build a tower to God and, and then their hubris ended up, uh, God saying, fuck this shit, scattered mm-hmm. them all to the, uh, to the winds and, and, uh, broke up the human, the human population. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, it'd be cool if, uh, yeah, if it was more of a culture, more of a way of thinking. Um, I've always been in the mindset that, uh, it's not the first, nor is it going to be the last with, uh, wait, does that mean Atlantis is the OG new world order? Or is it the old world order? The OG old world order. The original gangster world order. Yes. <laughs> I think so. Uh, yeah. Are we the barbarians? Were they the, the, the mountain on the hill? I don't know. Although I do think that if there was a, a real Atlantis, if there was a historical Atlantis, I think that they would embellish it, and I think that they would turn it into a metaphor. You know? Like... Like they kind of did with Troy a little bit. They turned it into like this sort of, you know, they say that there was like spaceships and towers of gold, but that's all just, it was probably just a really nice town, <laughs> a really nice city on a trade route somewhere, if it did exist. Hello? I'm still here. I'm looking through the uh, the section where they're talking about uh, just the layout of the city. Okay. But failing hard on that end. So I'm just going to put it back down. (laughs) You want to talk about what you're reading? or uh... I mean, I can. (laughs) Or we can move on, do something else. No, I just, it's, uh... Today, of course, few people believe in Poseidon, the Greek sea god, or any of the rest of the Hellenic pantheon, but when Critias assumed his account of Atlantis, he quite naturally spoke in terms of divine origins. In the earliest times, he explained, when the gods were dividing the earth among themselves... Poseidon chose the fair and bounteous, bounteous continent and subsidiary islands that would be that would come to be known as Atlantis. There, with a woman named Cledio, he sired five sets of twin sons. The firstborn son was Atlas, for whom mm. the continent and surrounding ocean were named. 
He divided it into ten parts, granting Atlas the biggest and best portion, making him sovereign over his brothers, who were made rulers over the remaining providences. Atlas was a land of bountiful plains, extensive stands of timber, and rich flora and fauna, including great uh, herds of elephants. The ground was seamed with the ore of gold, silver, and other minerals, metals, including a mysterious one called uh, Oricalum. Oraculum? Oraculum, probably. Oraculum. Like a copper that Plato wrote sparkled like fire. Hmm. I love it. What a, what a cool description of it. Yeah. And I love herds of elephants. I know. <laughs> I thought about you uh, <laughs> when I saw that. <laughs> I didn't realize that this is going to be my thing, but, man, I love elephants. <laughs> Oracalcum. Or Calcum, uh, written in Atlantis in the Critias, Critias, Critias of Plato. Yes. Or Critias, probably. That would be the more Roman pro- uh, pronunciation of it. Second only to gold. I'll tell you, it's crazy how much, how great gold is. Isn't gold great? I've got a tiny little piece of it sitting up here on top of my desk. Mmm. Nice. Elephants are majestic and many splendored, correctly says Quirkass. Thank you for your courage. Let's see the. Do you have uh, some clips of your own? Uh... I do. Um, uh, everything that I pulled is from uh, Graham, uh, Graham Hancock. Yeah, my boy Graham. Uh, let's see. This is. Uh, let's get into the truth about Atlantis. The notion of a lost civilization was not a new idea. That notion has been around for a very long time. We can take that notion actually back thousands and thousands of years. The most famous example is Plato, the the Greek philosopher Plato, um, who gave us the story of Atlantis. From Plato comes the story of Atlantis, a great advanced civilization which had navigating and seafaring skills, which could explore the world, which built gigantic buildings, which had advanced knowledge in every area, which was prosperous and powerful. But then Plato says that uh, corruption crept into this society, that it became cruel and avaricious. It became greedy. It began to impose its power around the world. And he has a very ringing phrase. He said that, Atlantis ceased to wear its prosperity with moderation. And the suggestion is that it's this this hubris, this conceit of Atlantis, that it had become so sure of itself that somehow the universe struck it down. And we have the the, the cataclysm of flood and and disaster and Atlantis is submerged beneath the waves. Now, of course, the view of historians and academics is that Plato's story is just made up. He just made it up to make some political or philosophical point. But uh, this cannot be so. That, that, that view can't be right. I, I was very suspicious of that view the first time I heard it from a mainstream historian. Why are they saying that Plato made this up? Plato repeatedly states that it is a true story. Uh, and as we look into it further, we find something else, that Plato puts a date on the destruction of Atlantis. He says Atlantis 
was submerged beneath the waves in a huge global cataclysm 9,000 years before the time of Solon. That gives us an absolute date for this. We know Solon, we know who he was. Solon was a famous Greek lawmaker. He was an ancestor of Plato, as a matter of fact, about 200 years before Plato. And around 600 BC, Solon, the great Greek lawmaker, made a visit to Egypt. And in Egypt, the priests at a temple of Sais in the, in the Delta told him the story of Atlantis. And they said that it was written on the walls of the temple. And he said, when did this happen? When was this great civilization destroyed? And they said, 9,000 years ago. And that was in 600 BC. So that's 9,600 BC in our calendar. That's 11,600 years ago. I will say, uh, <laughs> flip that around and it's 9-11. Mm. just thought that was uh, fairly interesting. And the name Solon, uh, I mean, it starts with Sol. SOL, you get a little mm-hmm. like sort of sun god vibe, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Golden it's, age, you know. You always get soul hidden in there somewhere. Wow. Yes. Uh, yeah, Athenian statesman, lawmaker, and poet. And uh, ancestor, I believe he said to uh the old Plato. To our good man Plato. We all love. We all love Plato. Uh yeah. I, I, that's you'll see that dating again and again. You'll see between twelve and fifteen thousand years ago, which, as you may recognize, is roughly the length of the quote unquote great year, which is uh, one full wobble of the uh, procession of the equinoxes. <laughs> and uh, it's it's kind of funny how that you see that number pop up again and again, and it kind of just gives you that. It implies what Randall Carlson is always saying, who's a friend of Graham Hancock, that every twelve to 15,000 years, there's a major extinction-level event that occurs. You know, the poles shift, or there's a comet, or something comes along, and or there's a major culture uh, climate shift because of whatever reason, all the vast amounts of reasons there could be. And... Uh, People have grown, you know, too large and too big, and and they just don't have a, a way of of dealing with the the crisis. Kind of like if there was an a, a earthquake in New York City. You've been in New York City. Mm-hmm. It's all brownstone. It's all brick. And me being from the West Coast, San Francisco, where you know, and I work in construction. It's all about seismic retrofitting here. All these buildings. Any commercial building, you know, if, especially the high-rises, they have to be loaded to the gills with all kinds of seismic retrofitting and has to be code-compliant in all these ways. It has to be built for earthquakes. Whereas in New York City, they don't have any... That's none of that. They have none of that. There's not a single fucking building except for the really, really nice ones, maybe, in uh, Manhattan. It has anything like that. And so if there ever was an earthquake, theoretically, which technically, I guess, it's not possible, but if there were to be a large one there, that whole city would just crumble apart. Crumble apart like old bread. And that's, I think, a great metaphor to describe what might happen, you know, with an extinction-level event. Something very unexpected happens, and there's just way too much infrastructure in place to deal with it. Now, do you think the, the buildings would topple other buildings down? Uh, I I just think that all the crappy brownstones would just jostle and come apart. 
Gotcha. And all that mortar would, would peel and peel. And so depending on the quality of the building, you know, it, it could be maybe partially destroyed or if it has a steel frame, then that maybe can keep it up. But all these cheap brownstones that you'd see in the Bronx and all that, those would all just crumble, crumble and fall apart. And uh, whereas here, all our buildings are, are like made to bend. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> weird. Every, everything from the 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 acoustical ceiling um, grid, you know, you can retrofit that and all the walls and everything. It's it's fascinating. Yeah, your parking garages are pretty trippy too. Oh, how so? They just they feel very rubbery when you when you're driving on them, <laughs> driving in them. I really? Say. Yeah. Oh, interesting. There's a lot of like roundness in our garages, and then when I go anywhere else, it, garages are blocky. And I don't know. I guess it's just a weird architectural thing, original choice. Well, they kind of yeah. do have like a house of cards sort of <laughs> vibe to them in some places. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like there was a whole series of parking garages that were built in a specific way, but when one wall was knocked out in the case of like an earthquake or something, the whole thing would just collapse in on itself because it fell like a house of cards mm. yeah and then you know it, it's easy to build that way yeah. <laughs> it's really easy it's not it's not easy to to build everything in a clever way like to make everything bend and shit usually you just throw it up whatever um but anyway the, the metaphor that i'm bringing it with with atlantis to bring it back to atlantis is yeah, you've got this fantastic tech, all this stuff. Everybody, imagine right now, you know, with all of all of our dependency on electricity and on the internet. Um, if there was a solar flare and all that went away, the world would be a very, very different place tomorrow. And uh, there would be some really rough repercussions. And if something like that times 10 were to happen or times 100 were to happen, then you can imagine. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, maybe I shouldn't beat on the issue too hard, but look at all the people screaming at folks to put on a mask, you know? And that was mm-hmm. sort of a, 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 a carefully just stated pandemic response. Oh, it was just curated to hell. It was, the, it was such a marketing thing. I can't just, it was so much money. Sorry, go ahead. Well, if you can do that with marketing, could you imagine what the response would be with just pure chaos? They're trying it. This is the closest thing they've had to it so far. Something that was just so curated, but so chaotic at the same time. I mean, I will admit for those first two, three weeks, I did not know what the fuck was going on. And I was terrified. And I thought that like, there was a terrible disease and it was going to kill my, my family and, all this shit for like the first like two, three weeks. I like, I, I assumed the worst. And then after a while, it, it was just very obvious that like, this is not adding up. None of this is adding up, you know. I'll admit to it. I'll own up to it, God damn it. Yeah, I was uh, fairly skeptical even as the show was shutting down. Uh, I just, I didn't think they would be able to make it last so long. And neither. I, yeah, I don't know. This, it, it brought it on, but it just makes sense. If you take everything in context of what they've been doing and how they've been pushing it, I don't even know how we, how do we get on 
COVID. (laughs) No, you're right, though. They just push it. Yeah, I'm I'm talking about the marketing of the mask. Yeah. Right? And the we need ventilators everywhere immediately. Mm. Uh, Just the responses that you've been able to get out of people by lying to them. Could you imagine what that lie would look like if instead it was a giant, like, not climate change, but uh, a mile-tall tsunami? Mm-hmm. Um, well, are you saying that the tsunami would be manufactured or it would be a real tsunami? I'd say it'd be a real one. Mm-hmm. If it was, like, if it was the the, da- the Great Deluge Part 2, if this was in the 100 times worse category, 1,000 times worse, um... If it was the 10 times worse range and it was just the internet went out, power went out, I'd say overnight it's going to be a different uh, different ball game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could bring it back to COVID and say, hey, what would happen if there was a real plague-like disease or virus? Like, I mean, I think it's fair to say that this thing really wasn't that deadly. I mean... It killed people, but it wasn't nearly as deadly as they were saying it was going to be, where we were going to have people, like, dying in the street and just, like, you know, mass graves and madness and chaos and millions were going to die overnight and all that shit. That didn't really happen. Like, worst-case scenario, people died, and it's a real disease, and, you know, that's it is terrible, but it wasn't what they tried to make it out to be. And, and if you say that, like, I feel guilty and greasy saying that because people would shame me and be like, how dare you? Da, 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 da. You gotta, you know, it's just like, come on. Um, but if you had, if you had a real disease, like a real plague where it wiped out a third of the population of this country in a matter of, you know, five years, 10 years, and people you knew were dying and young people were getting it and, and they were dead within a week and, and you knew all kinds of, you know, and it was happening, and you're just scared shitless. Like, if, if, if it was a real disease, what would happen then? Like, would, would these vaccine people that we just, uh, we have no choice but to assume that they're, like, scamming us and that this is all just, they're just fucking leading us on and scalping us. They made a deadly disease, they dropped it on us, and then they're selling us the cure. They're fucking assholes. And, uh, <laughs> you know... Crack the case. <laughs> hey. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Fucking hey, man. Uh, I think if it was a, a super virulent, uh, oh shit level sort of um, pandemic, they wouldn't tell us about it until it was um, too late, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't think they would. Yeah. All I know is, is the real news is never in the news. And what is in the news isn't real news. Like, whenever something incredible happens, like it, like with cryptocurrency, when Bitcoin just fucking blasts off and gets a 1,000%, 2,000% gain in the course of, you know, three years. And I'm talking about, like, between, like, 2019 and 2021. Nobody gave a fuck until it got to some arbitrary number that everyone liked. You know, once it got to, like, 40,000, 50,000, 30,000, let's say. Then people actually started giving a shit. But even then, it wasn't big news. And it never really, you know, it wasn't until it was like 50, 60, and it just, it had to go through so many levels of of realization. And that was real news. 
I mean, what cryptocurrency did it is is historical. What it just did from a financial perspective, and nobody gave a shit until it was too late. That's how news is all the time. Definitely would be curious to see some Atlantean newspapers, like an Atlantean social media archive. Well, there is a ba- a basketball magazine called the. <laughs> oh. We're not going to promote them on the show. Sorry, we're gonna we're gonna duck that out. We've got ducky sounds, and we're gonna put a ducky sound over that. Uh, <laughs> Hold on, let me go add a marker. <laughs> that's right. We're gonna have our our team do it. We have the back office do it. Thanks, Gerald. Uh, Jesus. <sighs> Should we? Anyway. Uh, I can, uh, this, this clip was a little long. It was hard to, Graham's a little difficult to like try and cut out all the good stuff. Shoot, shoot, I've got my manly peas are, are short. You want to bust through those ones? Yeah, let's do that. The uh, little, little ones that are left. Yeah, this is number two. So we have to think of Atlantis in relationship uh, to a complete pattern of the planet. As Plato clearly points out, the island of Poseidonis which we now think of as Atlantis, was the last fragment of a great empire. It was the last surviving part and is supposed to have disappeared under the ocean about 12,000 years before the Trojan War, which would make it about 15,000 years ago. Now, in connection with the problem of Atlantis, I think the next thing we have to study is the name. Plato refers to the mysterious empire as Atlantis. He probably received this name or secured it from Solon, who in turn had received it from the priests of the Egyptian temple at Sais. Now the word Atlantis or its root is not Egyptian and it is not Greek. No one seems to be able to trace the origin of the name. It appears on two very important phases of ancient mythology, Atlantis and Atlas. And the root is ATL, Atal. Now if we look to find the language in which that word or that root is permissible or was used, we find we have to come to the Western Hemisphere because Atal was one of the month names of the Mayas. There it is. The Mayans. Mm-hmm. Those Darn Mayans. I don't know if you're allowed to say things like that. Uh, I'm uh, going to have to play my Native American and Mexican card here. Oh, shit. And uh, say uh, I do have my permit. So We highly encourage the use of playing cards here on Behind the Schemes. <laughs> <laughs> not only do we draw tarot cards, we draw race cards. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually, uh, I think I'm going to transition into being transracial. So be on the lookout for that one. Oh, uh, you're transitioning racially, huh? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sounds expensive. You know, it's, it probably will be, but I think in the long run, I'm going to feel a little more like my true self. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever that may look whatever like. Whatever that is, yeah. yeah. Now, how very Ace of Swords of you. I know. <laughs> Head the <to> toe. <laughs> Head the to toe. 
Getting a grip on life. Uh, you want me to hit some clip three here? Yes, sir. It also has more than just a name significance. Its glyph or its symbol is a deluge. This seems then to give us the real basis of our word. That we are dealing with a term that represents a world experience that various countries were involved in it, that the circumstances were known around the entire planet, and that the name that has survived to us today is probably based upon the records on the Western Hemisphere. Great deluge. Great deluge of fire. Mm-hmm. A good word, an underrated word. Isn't used a lot in casual conversation these days. Deluge. Yeah, mostly the what it really just keeps bringing me back to is the George Carlin bit where he's going off about how humans feel that they have so much of an impact, but when the earth finally gets tired of them, it'll just shake us off like fleas. Mm-hmm. That's what just that's what gets me wondering. It's like if these continents did move in such a way that, you know, they could shift suddenly for whatever fucking reason and and create these massive tidal waves of just, you know, straight across the land. As far as the eye could see, water just coming in as a wall. Mm-hmm. But I guess deluge also kind of implies that it was just nonstop rain for 40 days, 40 nights. Well, it could be all the above. I mean, when the, when the really bad stuff happens, it's because there's a combination of shit. So, you know, you could be really heavy rains, and then on top of that, a meteorite comes and hits the ocean. <laughs> right. And you're like, oh, if it were a dry year, we probably would have uh, made this out. But, oh, and there's also a famine. Oh, and there's political turmoil, and our king has been assassinated recently. And, uh, and uh, yeah. Just wonder how many times it's happened before the Atlanteans, man. How many Ooh. times has the planet been unzipped? <laughs> Yeah. How many times have we rebooted this whole thing? Yeah, I don't know. You know, there was a not. To, well, maybe we can save it back. I'm going to save it for second half of show. There was a cool article Spaz sent to me. We'll check mm. it out. Um, I've got clip number four here, ready to go. Go for it. Now, if we take the general term to represent this mysterious region. We then can find from the Codex Troano, uh, which is in the museum in Madrid, one of the surviving documents of the Mayas, that this particular deluge is marked in the glyphs of the people. The story is told in pictures, but among these pictures there is one in which the sky dragon or the sky serpent is pouring water from its mouth and below this the god of death is dancing on the earth now this was a long time ago uh, long before the coming of the spaniards but the records even go much further than that according to the chinese the previous existence before our present coming to this earth uh, was destroyed the previous world was destroyed by water, a tremendous deluge. And in the Yi King, 
the eight trigrams, basic trigrams, correspond to Noah and his wife, their three sons and their three wives, were the eight who were saved. And this is exactly what the Chinese tell us. So the story goes around here and there and everywhere. It's a very interesting story, but what does it really mean? Is it merely an archaeological curiosity, or does it have some dynamic value for us today? I would like to think of uh, Atlantis much as Lord Bacon did in his book, The New Atlantis, in which he says in very simple terms, the new Atlantis, which is America. Bacon was quite convinced that on the Western Hemisphere, a great empire would arise, an empire that would surpass the glory of the Atlantean story. Hmm. 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 That's Lord Bacon. I don't know when they when they that whole concept of trying to like crest ancient civilizations and do better, go further, go harder, go faster. I just it does kind of feel like it's going to fall in on itself. It doesn't mm. feel sustainable. Mm-hmm. And how did we get from Atlantis to communism? How does that how does that jump work? Uh, you know they don't. I don't know if, again, we need, this is a very, very complex topic, and uh, if there's one thing that I wish I knew just a little bit more about, it, it would be Plato's exact words, and if I just, like, blasted through the whole text and was specific on what he said, but I don't know if he really goes into the political uh, climate of Atlantis. It definitely yeah. sounds like it was a land of without want and need. Right, right. Because they, they talk about they, they stopped wearing the, or they, uh, I forget how I phrased it, but it was like, you're wearing your prosperity as like a, hey, look at me, look how good mm-hmm. I've become. Um, but they don't, well, let's see, I mean, do they talk of like a king or well, queen? Well, yeah, there was, there was kings, there was the uh, Atlas, this is the son of Poseidon. Uh, okay, right, of course. And his nine, uh siblings that that uh ran things in the area and the, mm. and the book describes like your uh classic bull um bull sacrifices and shit like that right i mean obviously it's very hellenistic the story is, is very hellenized and you know poseidon and atlas are just like fill-ins for fucking almost anything uh the great canal to the sea and along the bridges carved tunnels into the rings of rock so that ships could pass into the city around the mountain. And they carved docks from the rock walls of the moats. Every passage to the city was guarded by gates and towers, and a wall surrounded each ring of the city. So there is in rings. The walls were constructed of red, white, and black rock quarried from the moats and were covered in brass, tin, and uh, orichalcum. Thanks. Hmm. Oh, Sparkle fire copper. Yes, beautiful metal, allegedly. Well, uh, I got to stop doing that sort of transition. Well, this thing is uh, blah, blah. I'm doing it a lot. I'm going to try and do better about it. (laughs) So what you should do instead is say, anyways. Anyways, guys. 
think, I think we're gonna uh, hit some intermission. Intermiss, man. Because the whole transition there was talking about the sweet metal. Because I got some like quasi metal stuff lined up for this one. Mm, this but, is a metal show. Yeah, punk metal horror. Baseless speculations. <laughs> Absolutely baseless. Debaser. Uh, but we'll be back for uh, a second half of show. Uh, this will be our second second half of show. Still got plenty of time. Call that voicemail. 612-263-SEXY. Scream for us. Or if you uh, have uh, any input or any questions about Atlantis or anything that we're talking about, uh, feel free to let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Hell yeah, we'll be here. And this is Behind the Schemes. It's a little crunchy. Crunch me. Mm. Cruncher? Barely know her.
look at all these beautiful buildings, right? Look at all the, that classic architecture, that good And then you got that eyesore. Um, that eyesore is the African American History Museum. Is it? If you're wondering what we're doing here in these barbecue outfits, well, it's easy. We're going in after another world life force from another galaxy that has a self-defense mechanism that we don't understand. It's intangible to this time and space. It's actually from the theory of relativity and from the theory of quantum mechanics. Take those properties and equalize them and you have the quantum theory of gravity, which is the discussion of how this universe started and how it will end. The predator knows that information already. It is our job and our objective to go capture the predator, sit him down, have a talk with him, find out why he does what he does, how he does what he does, and where he gets the weaponry and the defense mechanisms he uses in order to obtain his goal. And that is our goal. If we don't achieve that goal, we will be turned into vapor clouds made of small pink particles known on Earth as blood. Calling the Mach 5, come in, Speed. Trixie calling the Mach 5. I'm in the middle of a race, Trixie. Don't talk to me now. Can't you wait till it's over? Speed, listen to me. Eloise's brother half has got to win. Please let him. Why should I let him win? I'm out to win myself. Now sign off and don't bother me. But half must win so that he can pay for the doctors to make his sister well. And besides, half wouldn't be hard to manage a big car factory. That would solve all their money problems. Please let him win, Speed. It doesn't matter to me what his reasons are for wanting to win. I wouldn't be playing fair if I let him win the race on purpose. But Speed! I'll see you when the race is over, Trixie. But Eloise is ill. They must have some money. Please let him win, Speed! 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 Made certain 
that this country rode the first wave of the metal revolution. Bobby Kennedy. Crazy. But that's how it goes. Millions of people living their own on war. Maybe it's not too late. The word of the song. Then forget how to pay, 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 pay. Satisfy you. I ain't ever gonna need that night. Stick around and tell you what's in store, yeah. Behind the scenes. 
starring Booberry, Berry, 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 and Lavish, 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 Lavish. Welcome back, indeed. Second, second half of show behind the schemes. If you want some more action from us this week, you can tune in tomorrow at 7 o'clock Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Pacific. Mm-hmm. And check us out with Cretched from Our Big Dumb Mouth. He'll be joining us for a special broadcast. Yeah, Super Tuesday show. Super Tuesday, butted up right beside Bowl After Bowl, bowlafterbowl.com. Chip and uh, and uh, Devorah Korowitz will be on. It'll be an action packed Tuesday. And it, it will, mm-hmm. It'll probably be our last Tuesday show. <laughs> yes, we yes we have determined that Tuesday, as they say in Seinfeld, it doesn't have a feel. It just doesn't have a feel. So we're not going to do Tuesdays anymore. Blue Moon, oh Kentucky, keep on shining. Good old Boomhauer. Classic. Gosh, what a jam. What a banger there. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah, I I dread the day where I'm not going to be able to find uh, any more relevant Boomhauer clips. Mm. It'll happen eventually. I know, they stopped making that show, which is very sad. Ah, what a great show. Uh, anyway, we are back. It is Behind the Schemes. It is currently 9.05 uh, specific. 11.05 uh, Central, and uh, it's the 5th of July, and it we're is. celebrating America, and we're also celebrating Atlantis, and the two things could maybe potentially be the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> and I, <laughs> I realize I did misspeak. It was uh, 5 o'clock Pacific tomorrow, not 6 o'clock. Again, not the math man. Uh, 5 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock. Yes. And then we, we ignore Rocky Mountain time. Exactly. But I do have some fairly interesting unzipping clips from Graham Hancock talking about this very thing with mm. uh, Atlantis in America. If anybody is involved in the great unzipping, it's our good friend Graham Hancock. Hell yeah. And did you know he was like he was within the first two hundred episodes of Joe Rogan? Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, he was there from early on. That's I really give Joe a lot of props for re- act, like bringing him on and making him as famous as he is. Yeah, it was like episode one thirty seven or something. Yeah, he he totally knew this guy was the deal right away. Been back multiple times. Um, oh, that'll be something to check out tomorrow. I guess uh, Adam was on Joe Rogan yesterday. Oh yeah, or to, today? No, today he was on. Yeah. yeah. So we'll keep an eye out for that. This will be, I think, his third Rogan appearance. Yes. His first one was fantastic. I mean, really, really fantastic episode. Uh, he was he was in his prime. I mean, he was just crushing it. And then the second one, Joe derailed it because he was way too fucked up. He was drinking and smoking, and he just, like, he was all over the place. And... uh and so the second one, well, it was okay. It wasn't great. Uh, so I'm looking forward to the third one. Me too. Me too. And I'm also looking forward to, uh, I got three of them here. We'll uh, get to the first one. Oh, oh Graham I, Hancock. Sorry. Uh, just say, uh, oh, rewind. Thank you. Sorry. Take it back. 
Dip my fingers in the ink. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> the, Graham Hancock, uh, he's written many books. Fingers of the Gods, I think. Fingerprints of the Gods is the big one. Uh, he's just an ancient s- civilization type of fella. And you'll find just as many uh, videos debunking him if uh, that's your sort of deal on YouTube. I just mm-hmm. typed in his name. I was like, wow, I, I didn't realize there was uh, that much animosity about him. Oh, yeah, sure. Jesus. <laughs> yep. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, the first of uh, check boxes for Atlantis. Well, I should say that you know there's there's a lot of religions today that speak about similar things. Like in Buddhism, I'm I'm uh, I speak with a lot of monks. I'm kind of I'm I'm not a self-described Buddhist, but right. I'm very familiar with the lineage yeah. um, and the religion itself in a lot of ways and something that i hear very often is that what we're experiencing right now is like the fifth or sixth time that a civilization has risen to power and then has been destroyed there's been lots of other uh you know examples about this you know atlantis being possibly a way of describing the ancient civilization that existed uh at that time yeah to my to my mind, the the Atlantis so-called uh, myth is is an extremely interesting one. It's, it's yeah. very very specific. It comes to us from a very credible source, which is the Greek philosopher Plato. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where the earliest surviving mention of Atlantis is. Um, he puts a date on the destruction of Atlantis, which coincides precisely with what we know was the cataclysmic end of the last ice age. Um, there's a lot of reasons to take Plato very very seriously on the Atlantis myth, but. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's been given such a bad name by mainstream archaeologists and historians for so long that some people still feel silly even saying the word Atlantis and don't actually realize uh, where, it, uh, where, where, where it comes from. And it, and it, and it, comes, uh, it comes in the works of Plato in the Timaeus and Critias dialogues. And he is reporting a visit that was made to Egypt by his ancestor, the Greek lawmaker Solon. Uh, in in 600 BC, and Solon was delivered the story of Atlantis by ancient Egyptian priests, um, and and uh, you know suddenly the, the, this ceases to be an airy fairy idea and starts to be something that's plugged into some of the great minds of history and prehistory. Mm. I like that metaphor of it being plugged into the minds. I thought that was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Tapping it into is. the global conscious. Yeah, just one of those stories that. It's it's all over the world. You see it, like you were saying earlier, in Chinese culture that references to Atlantis and to let's uh, let's uh, do a quick uh, clean feed refresh. <laughs> what is the deal? Maybe they got bored of uh, listening to hog stories, so now they're targeting us. <laughs> Dude, these communists, man, they just never quit. They have always got this. Uh, What's the word? Subvert. They're trying to subvert our program. And let me let me just uh, reiterate or uh, re-specify that only a communist would get bored of listening to Hog Story. That's correct. Uh, it seems to have settled out a little bit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is it? Is still a little bad though. No, it's it's uh, fairly stable. Okay. Yeah. Well, we we plow forward. Ace of Swords. <laughs> Swish, chop, block, thrust. Parry. <laughs> thrust it. Thrust it. Eight, thrust. eight points of piercing damage. Thrust it. <laughs> ah! 
Pull it. <laughs> Unsheathe it. Unsheathe it. Buff it. Uh, here's a clip two on that bad boy. And so would you say that with the current circumstances, obviously, I mean, this world is in an incredibly chaotic circumstance right now. Um, mm. But would you say that we are in certain ways standing at the precipice of another major cataclysmic event, such as what these ancient cultures and what these religions that are around today are describing, would you say that in certain ways, you know, there, there are many people who have, you know, discussed about uh, theories that something could take place, uh, uh, you know, another extinction event of some type, mm. uh, but, would you say that we're currently facing something that could turn out very much like what everybody else is saying happened in the past? What I can, what I can say is that when we look at the thousands of myths and traditions, so-called, from all around the world, which speak of the destruction of a former civilization, um, and, and there are literally thousands of them, they, they, they usually flood, so-called flood myths, but mm -hmm. they come in other forms of, other forms of cataclysm, mm -hmm. uh, as well. What you'll find all of those stories have in common uh, is that there was some failing or fall uh, in the civilization concerned, that, uh, that it ceased to live up to its potential. Um, in, in the case of Atlantis, Plato tells us, uh, it's a ringing phrase, that the citizens of Atlantis uh, ceased to wear their prosperity with moderation. In other yes. words, they became conceited, big-headed, proud. They began to impose their power around the world. They began to make war on other peoples. And the, the Atlantis story makes it clear that this is why the universe turned on them and, and slapped them down. And this is, this is not just the Atlantis story. This is many, many other traditions and stories of lost civilizations from, from all around the world. So in mythological terms, I would say we do tick all the boxes uh, for the next lost civilization. <laughs> yeah. The next last. <laughs> the next last one, yes. <laughs> sure. It's There's so many different ways to interpret the idea of uh, wearing excess and, and ceasing moderation. Like... There's, there's obviously the, the, you could be opulent and you could go and you can, as a civilization, you can wear a bunch of, you know, rich clothes and go around and act like you're so special. Hunger Games style. Or there's another kind of conceit of, of, that ties to the idea of not living up to your potential, which is you have, let's just take an example from No Agenda yesterday when, the, when they were interviewing all those people on the street saying if they thought that America was a terrible place to live and if they would move anywhere else, where would they move? And everybody said that they hated America and it was a terrible place to live. But then when they were asked where they'd move, they couldn't give you an answer because they don't know. They don't know where, you know. It, it, that, that is an opulence. That is, a, that is an arrogance to just take so much excellence and, and, and fortune for granted i mean your whole life and your whole upbringing and and the work that other people have done you know that create the invisible fabric around which your whole life is nestled it, to just completely disregard all of that <laughs> and to continue going through life as if you have it so bad 
and that and that it's just such a terrible, terrible world, you know, place in a world is is spitting in the face of anything that is worthy of anything and is indeed participating in whatever it is that you're bitching about. <laughs> You've now become part of the problem. <laughs> and that that is a certain, I think, opulence and arrogance that, that could be tied into the arrogance of Atlantis. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> definitely think you'd just take a bunch of dumbass kids to fuck it all up in a real big way. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's callous or not. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know. <laughs> but I also say that pretending like there's not adults that are totally in, bought in, sold out as well. Yeah, of course. It really is the colleges, right? In high school or uh, just the education system. Yeah. Uh I think we've talked about it in the past, but have you ever read um, Dark Money by Jane Mayer writing about the Koch brothers? No, I haven't. They mentioned the Heritage Foundation yesterday, and the Heritage Foundation is a is a think tank that's funded by the Koch brothers and by Koch brothers being and a bunch of their friends and a lot a lot of different people fund it. But Koch brothers are one of the largest um, private oil families in the world. Probably not too far from where you're at, actually. Uh, and that's what they do. They participate in a, in a model that has been documented more because they're very, you know, there's, there's a lot of liberals that hate them, right? They're like the, they're like the libertarian t- peak of the pyramid, you know? And if you are a communist, you hate these guys, but that's how all education is funded in this country. It's, it's, it's funded through these fucking NGOs and these nonprofits and these think tanks and these, these, charitable organizations these philanthropic vehicles they they fill it's what bill gates does and that's what john rockefeller did back in back in the day that's how they control the world is they that's part of it is they donate just inordinate sums of money to all of the most prestigious universities you know build them libraries and then go well you know seeing as how i'm giving you all this money out of my own goodwill through my charity, it would be nice if I could have somebody from my team on your board just to make sure that the uh, funds are being allocated properly. Oh, okay, sure. Oh, and where do you want the funds to go to? Well, we're going to make scholarships. And uh, if you happen to agree with our point of view, then we're going to give you a really great scholarship and we're going to give you a really great opportunity and uh, when it comes to the highest offices in the land, it, it becomes a fraternal situation where you have to be initiated in one way or another. And they literally have the fraternities at colleges. That's if you want to be, you have to go to the most prestigious fraternity at the most prestigious college in order to have the most prestigious job. Next thing you know, you're in a coffin jacking off with your daddy Satan himself there watching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is how it is, son. You know, one day you're fucking a pighead at college and the next you're the prime minister of England. You know, that's just how it works. That's the way the world works. Wait, come on, say what? You got, you remember, uh, what's his face? Uh, the last PM of England, uh, before Bojo and before the, the other, before the lady. Blair? No, not Tony Blair. Uh, or was it Tony Blair? Hmm. 
I am blinking. English PM. This guy, list of uh, prime ministers of the UK. No, I'd like to start at the end of the list, not at the beginning of the list. Thank you very much. Uh, David Cameron. Remember old David Cameron? I don't. David Cameron was PM from, he was PM for six years, from uh, 2010 to 2015. He was a conservative, uh, he was a member of the conservative party. And he, it turns out, in college, there was evidence that he, uh, as part of his fraternity, he, he, you know, had sex with a, with a pig head. And, uh, and this leaked, and, and now we know. <laughs> and, and to me, that makes sense. That's what these people do. That's the whole point. If you want to be in the club, you got to fuck the pig head. Wow. Pig gate. There's an yeah. actual book of knowledge page on this. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, great. We'll post that in the chat, I think. Let me find this. Pig gate. I got it. <laughs> oh, yeah. The uncorroborated anecdote. Oh, it makes, anyway. that, uh, it makes that first episode of Black Mirror make a whole lot more sense now. So the Prime Minister of England had to go have sex with a pig on uh, the national stage, or they... Uh, they wouldn't release one of the kidnapped duchesses or something. Yes, I didn't watch the show. It's a little too angsty for me. Mm. Yeah. Just, uh, kind, of, kind of tense. <laughs> <laughs> too much predictive programming for you? Oh, no. I, I, it terrifies me. It's just like, God. Well, we got to refresh here. Oh, no. Uh, one second. I don't want to read these off until he gets back, but there's some pretty good hashtags associated with this trending topics on Twitter. Hello. Hello. How's this? Is this any better? Yes. Great. Good. Thank God. Uh, hashtags? Uh, within minutes of the Daily Mail posting an article about the anecdote, hashtag piggate, hashtag snout rage, and hashtag hammer on. <laughs> Snout rage. <laughs> yeah. Became trending topics on Twitter. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh boy. Well, there you go. The Piers Gaveston Society at Oxford. A dining club. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta get in the club. If you wanna play ball, you gotta play ball. God. Well, we'll uh <laughs> We'll circle back to Pig Gate yeah. for sure. Let's. That, uh, <laughs> I'm glad we brought that up on our Atlantis episode. That yeah. is, I think, very appropriate. You know, from Atlantis to Pig Gate, the show covers it all. There's literally no stone left unturned. Yeah, and there's no turn left unstoned. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I'll, I'll wrap up this Graham Hancock at the last one. We are that conceited, arrogant civilization that is imposing its power all around the world, that thinks it knows everything, that is full of arrogance and pride and cruelty. Uh, and and um, that is precisely what we don't want to be doing if we want our civilization to continue, at least in the mythological framework. So, yeah, I do think we stand at an inflection point. Uh, mm -hmm. this, is a, this is a very... Um, dangerous time 
for 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 humanity and for our children and for our children's children. Uh, we we don't even need um, you know a, a comet to fragment in the inner solar system and bombard the Earth with large bits of it. Uh, we are quite capable of destroying ourselves now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and that may be the, the 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 greatest danger that we that we actually become so destructive that we become self-destructive, and we wipe ourselves out. And ten or twenty thousand years from now, we'll be remembered uh, as um, a civilization that achieved great things, but but ultimately that uh, that that failed to realize its own potential and that descended into darkness and wickedness and was destroyed. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, this is not inevitable it's it's up to us we can learn the lessons of the past we can listen to what the myths and traditions say uh, we can reshape our behavior we don't have to be so obnoxious and, and cruel and domineering as we are today but if we continue down this route then i have no doubt that a heavy price will be paid for it now you wrapped it up pretty nicely yeah Gil graham poor guy getting slapped by all these weirdos from the internet you know Mm-hmm. It's just people like us, you know, sound like us, same quality of production, not as exciting or entertaining. No. Or as uh, honest. Yeah, that's, uh, and a lot of it comes back, sorry, a lot of it comes back around to a, there was a, uh, a Congress member early, early 1900s, but this is like, the uh, probably 1890s. Mm -hmm. But um, he ended up running in Minnesota after he moved out here during the big uh, gold scene, gold rushes and all that. Mm -hmm. But uh, he was one of the first dudes that, uh, at least on the America side, started gathering all of the historical context for uh, ancient civil civilizations of that capacity, of that scope, and uh, compiling it and wrote a super successful book out of it. Helena uh, Blavatsky ended up coming over stateside and like um, was associated with this dude for a while too. Mm -hmm. uh, Secret Doctrine uh, with uh, the Lemurians and Atlanteans and a very interesting book that I've only picked through. So it's definitely on the short list of uh, things to get at here soon. Mm. Ignatius, I am Blavatsky. Yeah, uh, but the congressman's name was Ignatius Lo, 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 uh, Lo, oh my God, Loyola, L-O-Y-O-L-A, Donnelly. Mm. Born in Philadelphia, 1831. Of course, uh, his book came out right around when there was a big occultic boon going on in the States and uh, in England. Hmm. Which got me wondering, I don't know how much we want to talk about uh, sausage making for the episode, but I'm just going to throw it out here. I could be, I could definitely be like uh, convinced with no hesitation to take the show in that direction and just like, what's the old ass text that we can find about this stuff? Mm -hmm. uh, I think it would be challenging. I think it would be fruitful. Absolutely. You always got to go to the, the text, the, the OG text whenever you can. Now, this would be fun to read. Secret doctrine. No doubt. Um, and then I got my last clip here. It's uh, talking about the paradigm shifting. Um, and this uh, this gave me very similar, uh, or I shouldn't say similar. It gave me uh, COVID vibes 
honestly, mm-hmm. with the way he talks about uh, the scientific procession that uh, that happens these days and who chooses to look at what evidence and who deliberately chooses to not look at other evidence, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, this will wrap me up after this one. You've got a body of work. Yeah. You've got people now opened up. You've got inform- more information out there. Is it safe to say maybe the worst part, which was maybe late 90s, early 2000s, is, may- is probably behind you? Yeah, I, w- I would say that worst part is, is definitely behind because the evidence is moving in my direction and because uh, those who attack me have to get to grips with that and, 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 and deal with it, that the, the evidence base has changed. This is how paradigms shift. They shift when a mass, the mass of evidence that contradicts the existing paradigm becomes so huge that only a lunatic could cling on to the existing paradigms. Paradigms don't give up their grip on the human imagination easily but they will ultimately be overwhelmed uh, by, by evidence. And I think that's what we're seeing in my field. I think we're seeing a recognition that the human story is much more complicated and much more mysterious than we've been taught. Uh, that there are vast areas of the behavior and activities of our ancestors that we actually know nothing about whatsoever. Um, And the more we look and the deeper we dig, the more the evidence comes out of vast antiquity for the the human story and and incredible wisdom and knowledge. The the presence of sophisticated astronomies and sophisticated geometries way back in in remote prehistory should in itself be enough to lead historians to rethink the paradigm. But it takes more than that. And that, that information is just now coming to the boil. And I would, I would predict not 200 years, but within the next 20 years, uh, we are going to see a very radical accepted shift in the way that prehistory is looked at. Are you looking forward to live really long so you can see more of your theories proven correct? <laughs> I, honestly, I'm happy to live as long as the universe allows and, and as long as I can have fun and, and uh, be a useful contributing person. Oh, so uh, it would be nice man. To, see, to see these changes. But I... Shut him up. I feel content to the to, to the level that I I know I've given it my best shot. I've 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 done my best to expose areas of the past that had previously been obscured, and to inject into the public dialogue thoughts, discussions, narratives that had not been considered before. And and I feel that that has been a worthwhile activity, uh, and it's an activity that I will continue with as long as I possibly can. I think I agree with him. I think we should uh, roll up the sleeves of each and every American and inject Atlantis just right in the arm. <laughs> mm. Get that good, good stuff, that Atlantis connection. I think that this man is a menace to society and he needs to be stopped immediately. Oh, my God. My heart trembles when I hear his hateful words and his spiteful intelligence. Yeah. <laughs> Pseudo, pseudo, pseudo. Pseudo feds. Um, Nice. Well, I I have one parting thought on Atlantis. There's one thing that that I think behooves us to bring up before we go, which is the idea of Atlantis being in uh, the reshot structure or the eye of Africa. 
in the western part of Africa, which is oftentimes uh, a, a potential location for Atlantis listed again and again. There's a mountain range in northwest Africa called the Atlas Mountains, and it's been claimed that that, that might be a location. But western Africa, which has always fascinated uh, antiquity around the Mediterranean, uh, is, you know, it's the edge of the world. It was the edge of the world for a very long time. But if we're going to take tectonic movement into consideration, you know, we can assume that a long time ago, when, you know, we had a more Pangeatic structure, the African continent and South American, the Americas were joined together. And you can see, you can kind of see the shape when you look at a map, you can see how nicely Africa would fit into South America, right? Mm -hmm. They, mm -hmm. They kind of shape together. Well, if so long ago, that was the real connection point, the last connection point between the two massive continental um, between the two massive continents, wouldn't that be the last place, like the last link between that world, the two worlds? And as they drifted apart over time, wouldn't wouldn't that also be a potential? Like we were saying about the Bering Strait, but an even more ancient event like that. Like I said, I'm fairly certain this has happened quite a few times before Atlantis, and it'll probably continue to happen until Elon gets us off of this fucking mud ball. Yeah, we should just make a new planet. That's what they did for us, so we should do that for, for us too. Did you ever see the Disney Atlantis? Of course. I haven't. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. It's yeah. very. It's a really good one, I think, as far as Disney cartoons go. Hmm. I'll have to circle back on that one. Might even add it to the Behind the Schemes official movie list. That's right. We have an official movie list, and we may or may not be watching movies, you know, so you can join us to do that. That might be fun. Once we get that figured out. Uh, I do have one last screen mail that we can play. Ooh, we got one in? I We did get one in. Oh, yeah. Money, money. Cue this shit up. And this is it. <laughs> Yes, you're welcome for calling behind the scenes. All right, that's enough. So, no actual scream. And uh, I, I hate to interrupt intermission, actually, because you play some really um, lit tunes, some really interesting stuff during the intermission. Um, I dig it. And I also, and also, are we ever going to do those clips out of her head? No, I hope not. So, I love this subject. You've taught me quite a bit tonight, uh, quite a bit more. This is why I have a hard time fitting in the community. Um, I'm just not as intelligent as you guys. I'm lazy. I'm a lazy researcher. <laughs> and it comes in, it comes out, um, in my conversations. Um, but I like to be corrected and I like to learn the truth. So I appreciate all of the work and the effort, um, that you guys have put into the show. Uh, and um, I have a little bit of time for the three-minute limit. Um, I'm not finished, so I'll keep going. Um, all the work and the effort that you do put into the show, it's riveting. I mean, there's so many fucking podcasts and shows. I cannot keep up with all the ones that I'm even remotely interested in. 
but the ones I'm super interested in, I'm still having a hard time because um, music and comedy keep me saner than some of the some of the stuff in the cast. So I'm behind, but I will go back and listen to all of your original episodes. Happy one year, man! Fucking awesome! But you kept going, keep going. Don't give up. You're doing a bang up killer fucking job on this show. You really are. I don't know what it's worth coming from me, but you should hear it anyway. Doing doing fantastically, really. I mean, I am riveted. And bringing Lavish on as your co-host was an ace decision. Um, the two of you, the way that you work together, um, simpatico, simpatico. Just beautiful. Uh, really play off each other well. Keep me interested, and my mind is reeling. My funny bone is active. <laughs> All the funny bones. Uh, absolutely um, stellar all around. Your show continues to progress, and I love you both um, intellectually, comically, and uh, on many levels, actually. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Mm, well, first, you. I don't know who you're calling intelligent. <laughs> yeah, I think you got the wrong number. <laughs> but oh, thank you, Corkass. Thank that you for is the so call, very sweet. Very, very sweet. Very kind of you to say. Wonderful. Thank you. And how dare Google censor your fucking voicemail? I'm looking Ugh. through the transcript, and it's like F asterisk 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 asterisk. Fuck Google, man. Whoa. Whoa. Not happy about that. Okay there, Chairman Mao. Yeah. Jesus Christ. If Corcus says fucking, I want to be able to read it in the goddamn voicemail transcript. You know, you're going to chop my steak up for me? You're going to grind it up and then spoon feed it to me? Or can I just eat my steak like a fucking man? Why don't you just chew that shit up and spit it back into my mouth while you're yeah, at it? Don't you just chew it up in my arm with an mRNA vaccine? God damn it. I hate these people so much. <laughs> <laughs> don't censor Quirk S. We don't censor Quirk S on this, on this program. No. No such shenanigans there. Uh, if you ever do want to go back and check out our uh, earlier episodes, um, it's a different sort of vibe. It, it definitely transitioned to something a little more ethereal when Lavish joined. Uh, but my uh, the two co-hosts that were with me for those first 30 or so episodes, uh, some old college buddy friends of mine, very much more stuck in a political rut for a majority of them. Uh, but that's just the sort of shit that we brought to the show and talked about at the time. And mm -hmm. last, like, fall into the winter was a very politically charged uh, environment, so you couldn't get away from it. Oh, well, yeah, for you. You're at the very heart, the very spark of the entire fucking BLM liberal thing that we're now wrapped up in. You were just, you were, right when you started the show, that's when all the mini riots happened. Uh, but I was also traveling a shit ton uh, during that period. I was doing the tree wrap gig. So I was all over the States at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, audio quality is a little all over the place. 
Nothing's changed there. <laughs> yeah. Sure it has. Yeah. Uh, it's it's so cool. Uh, you know, I was a fan of the show before I was on it. <laughs> That's for sure. And I like what you guys are doing. And I like, uh, I just, yeah, I just think it's, this is, a, this is a good thing. This is exactly what the, what, this is the kind of show that the world needs. Because if you go on, and look at all the major podcasts. It's just like you know Hillary Clinton podcast, Obama podcast uh, with uh, Bruce Springsteen. Uh, you know, it's it's not real. No, not really, not really. I mean, we could sit here and talk about Atlantis and Bigfoot for two hours, and it's still a more real podcast than anything you're going to hear from those fucking losers. Well, Are you kidding me? Technically, I think it was Atlantis and Piggate uh, well, specifically. You know, that's probably the realest thing we talked about tonight. <laughs> that's probably, I mean, that is just like unequivocally, absolutely probably happened. Yeah, it was, uh, it's, it, was a, it was a fun episode. I, I don't feel like I necessarily came as prepared as I could have just because it's a subject that's got thousands upon thousands upon thousands of fucking opinions about it. Mm. A lot of literature. And uh, we may uh, reattack the subject in the future if we. I think we uh, should. For sure. I think so too. Yeah. Get some get some real uh, meat going in this, but uh, we wanted to talk about it anyway, just because it's been a while since we talked about something fun like this. Hell yeah! And uh, you know, like we said, we're uh, we're kind of planning out in chunks of time now, rather than week to week. So hopefully, we can bring more meaty shows in the future. Mm-hmm. Stuff that's. Uh, you can really just put in your mouth and chew on in a big way. That's it. And not be spit at you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand this whole millennial spitting thing either. Um, <sighs> I, uh, I don't understand anything going on. I Maybe at a punk show, but again, like, not that new of a concept. Um, you know, uh, someone was banned from a basketball arena recently for spitting. Uh, it's weird. What? What? It's gross. Now, like, I mean, just like spitting on each other, though. I, I don't, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's not important to this episode because this is episode fifty-two of Behind the Schemes. Yeah, it's all important. It's all part of the puzzle. It is, and I got a banger of a closeout track this time. Oh, lay me on it. Lay it on me. One year, we're queer. And we're here. <laughs> we were there, but now we're beer. I, I don't Ooh, know. I, beer. I tried. Yeah, I tried. No this alcohol. is why I get the big bucks. <laughs> Only Verner's ginger ale for this episode. Not a sponsor. Yeah, so that, this episode for me was sponsored by water. H2O, get some. Yes, indeed. It's good for you. Uh, we got uh, episode 53 tomorrow coming out. Uh, we'll do it live, like we said. Five o'clock, uh, five o'clock specific. Mm-hmm. Such a hard word. Seven o'clock central, nine o'clock eastern, eight o'clock eastern. Jesus Christ. 
That's right. We're going to be on with Crutched from Our Big Dumb Mouth, which is a great, great podcast. It's been a staple of the NA Network for a while. Yes. And, uh, yeah. Terrific show. Uh, high, top, top tier show. He's a top man. Top man. I'm going to get the fuck out of here. This has been Booberry Mothman and the Miniocalypse, and thanks for listening to all these uh, episodes. Yes, and from all the way the hell over here, I'm asking you to please trust the plan and get vaccinated. <laughs> hey My name is Lavish. Catch you next time. And also don't get vaccinated. This show is behind the shim schemes. Behind the schemes with threes as ease. Behind the screens. Loveislit.com. Go there. Check it out. Let's get love. Loveislit.com. Yes, loveislit.com. Find us at behindtheschemes.com with threes for ease. Or loveislit.com. <laughs> I don't know what loveislit.com goes to. Loveislit.com. Behind the scenes, you're calling your phone. Oh, yeah! Listen. Behind the scenes. The epic of your dreams. <laughs> it's, it's way too much of a love fest. Oh, give it to me! Blueberry and lavish? Uh, just uh, motor boating a bunch of boobies. They're lavish. Could be lavish. Could be lavish, but it could be lavish. Boobery wants some action. Oh yeah, behind the scenes.